you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Um, now last week we covered uh, verse 1 through verse 17, but we did skip uh, 6, 7, and 8 because that's about John the Baptist. Um, so we're going to read 6, 7, and 8, and then we're going to go down to verse 19 and read through verse 36. Um, you know, when we're young, we look up to uh, certain people as examples in our lives. It, it might be our parents, our father, or our mother. It might be an older sibling. A lot of times kids will look up to an older, older sibling as an example or somebody to, to, to follow in the footsteps of. Or it might be some kind of sports star or, or some other uh, form of person that they view as a hero. Um, I grew up watching the Atlanta Braves. We got cable about the time that they got good. And so I started watching the Atlanta Braves, and uh, I was watching with my dad one night. And I saw David Justice, who was one of my favorite players at the time. He, he runs and chases down a ball, and he catches it with, with one hand. And he, he did some kind of showboaty thing like, you know, uh, Major League Baseball players will do every now and then. He said, um, don't ever try to catch a ball with one hand unless you have to. And um, so anyway, watching Heroes on, on TV, of course, I tried to catch a ball with one hand. So there are still photographs of the, the black eye that I got because when I get hit, like it swells big time. And so I had the stitches of the baseball and probably the size of the baseball around my head. Um, I learned that you can't always mimic your heroes. Sometimes it's because they can do things you can't do, and sometimes it's because they do it wrong. Um, but it is good when we find somebody that really is an example, somebody that we really can follow. And so that's what this passage is about today as we look at John the Baptist. He is a person with a, he was a, he was a, a man. God made him a, a man. He wasn't, you know, some divine being. He wasn't something different or, or something extraordinary. He was a man, but he was faithful to his mission, and he did what God left him or sent him to this earth to do, and he did it with without reservation. He did it without compromise and he did it without fear. And so that's what we're going to be looking at this morning is, is, is John the Baptist. Not only was he, you know, an example that we can follow, but ultimately if we look at the commands in the Bible, we're commanded to follow uh, in the same kind of example that this man left. So the sermon in a sentence is this. Uh, John was sent to this earth as a gift from God to point out Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. All right, so I don't love skipping verses in a passage, but we did read a lot of this last week, and so I'm going to read John chapter 1, verse 6, 7, and 8, um, and, and then we're going to move to verse 19 and read down through verse 36. So John chapter 1, starting in verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Okay, now we're moving to verse 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. 
what do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing? If you are neither the Christ or Elijah nor the prophet, John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one who you, one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan from where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Okay, so... Let's get into this, and the first thing we're going to do is talk about the identity of the messenger here. John is obviously a messenger from the Lord, and he has a, a message that is very clear, uh, and, and he is very um, committed to sharing. So right away, we can say that this is not John the Apostle, but rather John who was born to Zechariah and Elizabeth in a miraculous way. John doesn't tell us this story, or the writer of the book doesn't tell us this story, um, but, but we find out in Luke that John was also born under miraculous circumstances. You see, his, his parents were older, and they had no children. And that had been a prayer that had been a concern for their lives, and probably you, you know enough about first century to know that, that, that it was important for you to have a, a child to pass on your holdings, to pass on your, your life, everything that you did to pass it on so that it didn't get lost or, or, or go away from your family. And so that was a prayer for them. And an angel actually came and spoke to Zechariah while he was in the temple. He was doing um, a ministry that, that he was very fortunate to be selected to do, but it was obviously the hand of God that put him there that day. And if you'll remember the story, he kind of doesn't believe the angel and he's, he's, he's struck in mute. And he is mute for the entire time that, that his wife Elizabeth is pregnant. He gets a little tablet out. He begins to write, not an iPad, but he gets a, a little tablet. He begins to write his, his messages and things on it. And the last thing he has to write down is that his name will be John. And then he's able to speak after that. So we get that from the Gospel of Luke to know that backstory. Um, we also know from uh, the all three Gospels that Jesus was baptized by John. And John put up a little bit of resistance about this whole thing, but he eventually baptized Jesus. And we know that when, when Jesus was being baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove and rested on him. And it even says that there was a voice that came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. 
Uh, other, other ones say that, that he, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. But the listen to him part is in all of them. And so what we need to know about this is that, that John had this ministry almost from the very beginning that, that he was working towards, that he was, he was doing this. And so the way that, um, and, and none of them really describe this any more than what John does, the way that, that John, the writer of this book, s- describes it, it was almost like John burst onto the scene. And, and probably we've seen this in, in, in our lives for different people. Um, all of a sudden, everybody's saying this name, this, this name. And, and, and you say, well, who is this? Well, well haven't you heard? They, they sing this song, or they, they're in this movie, or they're in this TV show. They're famous. Everybody knows. Everybody that's anybody knows this person, right? And so John would have been that. All of a sudden, everybody knew who John was. Everybody knew his ministry. Everybody knew that, that he had something going. Now, how do you stick out in the first century? Without social media, without, you know, tabloids and without all the photographs and everything, sometimes you just got to be different. And John was different. We also get from some of the other Gospels that, that John uh, wore animal skins. By this, by this point, textiles was a thing. You could have wore a robe. You could have wore a tunic. You could have, you could have dressed like everybody else, but he didn't. He, he dressed different. Um, you can imagine his hair being wild because he didn't sleep in a home. He didn't, he didn't anoint his head with oil. He didn't worry with the things that everybody else worried with. It says that he ate locusts. Probably the plant, not the critter, but whichever you want to think about, that's okay, because a guy walking around eating flowers is not a whole lot more normal than a guy walking around eating bugs. He was different, and people knew that he was different, but he was also uncompromising. When he began to preach, he called out the sins of anybody and everybody that, 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 that came by, and he, and he was preaching not just about like the sin, like this lie or this murder, although he had no problem whatsoever pointing out sin, but he was also talking about the sin of the world, and he made that clear that he was talking about the human condition that everybody that came to his little part of the Jordan River needed to be baptized because of sin. Now, we know that later on, John the Baptist actually gets in a quarrel with the current king of the day. I won't get into that now, but, but he had absolutely no reserve in calling out the king for his personal sin and it ultimately is what led to his death. I'm not going to say it cost him his life because he had to decrease, he had to go because Jesus was on the scene. But, but we'll get into some of that some other time. Um, so this is the John. This is who this John was. Now, his name, John, is, is the Hellenistic, the Greek version, I guess, of, of Jonathan or, or, or Johann. And it means gift of God. And so John truly was a gift of God sent from God. Now, the way that it reads, it's as if he was sent from the very side of God, from the very presence of God. John was sent in order to do a job, to have a very specific ministry in his life. So John was a gift that was given to the world in anticipation and in preparation for the greatest gift that God would ever give to the world in his son, Jesus Christ. John came as a witness and to bear witness of the light. See, John was given the key to recognizing Jesus at the very beginning of his ministry. John knew how to recognize who Jesus was or the Messiah. He, didn't, it, it, he even says he didn't know Jesus. He probably knew him because they were related, but he didn't know he didn't know, know Jesus, if you know what I mean. So when he sees Jesus and he sees the Holy Spirit descend on him, all of a sudden... He knows Jesus. He recognizes Jesus for who he is, and he is a witness of that. 
And so any of us can be a witness of something. We, we saw it happen, so we are a witness of it. There's always somebody that, that saw something. And so they're, they're a witness, and Jesus saw something. However, or, or John saw something. However, John also was to bear witness, which means to proclaim, to make known. So I saw it, and I'm telling you about it. I saw it, and I am making this known. So the guy that gets on the news after the tornado and says it was like a freight train, that's the guy's bearing witness. Well, John is the guy bearing witness about Jesus. Didn't say he sounded like a freight train. He just he was bearing witness about Jesus. He was telling people who Jesus was. And as we get into this, we see that John repeats this over and over. Here's the Lamb of God. I, I told you, I'm not worthy to even untie his shoes. He, he ranks before me because he came before me. Like He continues to talk about Jesus using some of the same terms because he is bearing witness about Jesus and he wants to make that clear. So, here's another thing. This word from the Lord was to be believed by people. Look, look again, in, in, in verse... Um, in, in verse 6, he says he was sent, there was a man sent from God um, whose name was John. Verse 7, he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. This is a very important word. Believe is a very important word in John, uh, and, and it has to do with faith. It's not just agree that certain things happened. Um, it is actually believing in that. It is, it is placing faith in that. And so John did not just come to tell people things. He came to help them believe things. And that's something that's very important about communication. If I'm just telling you something, and, and there's, no, there's no passion, there's no conviction, um, and, and, and there's no courage in it, you may or may not believe me. If I just tell you something, like for example, maybe you've done this, maybe you haven't, you, you sit down to play a board game you've never played before, and somebody has to read the rules, right? So you're just listing off the rules. And people are like, well, that don't sound right. I'm just reading what it says. But if you know the rules, and, and y'all know this too, because when you sit down and play a board game that everybody knows, and somebody tries to get away with breaking a rule, uh-uh, because we know the rules, and we believe these rules. These are the rules of the house, and you don't break those rules. That's the difference. And John knew Jesus. He knew who Jesus was, and he was proclaiming Jesus, and he meant for people to believe in Jesus. And so that's the difference there, and that's what we're going to be looking at this morning is his ministry as one that believed in Jesus and proclaimed Jesus to other people so that they could believe in them. John knew his place because he says Jesus is higher than them because he was before him. John understood even though in human years, John would have been a little bit older than Jesus. If you remember the story, Jesus had not yet been born when John was born. Um, and in fact, when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth, the Bible tells us that John leapt in the womb. So, so John was still in the womb when Mary found out that she was to have Jesus. So he was a little bit older, but he knew that he did not outrank Jesus. As much as John is a forerunner of Jesus, it also seems that he is a forerunner of the church. When we look at what John did, John knew Jesus. Don't we as believers know Jesus in a way that the world doesn't? John was a witness of Jesus. Aren't we also witnesses of Jesus? John also bore witness about Jesus, then shouldn't we also bear witness about Jesus in the hopes that other people believe? Our lives are meant to lead other people to a personal faith-based relationship with Jesus, the Lamb of God, as John would refer to him. That is our role. That is our mission. 
is to declare Jesus in a way that other people know him and believe in him. So let's look at the faithfulness of the messenger. And for that, we're going to start looking down at verse 19. Um, If there was ever a time that it would have been popular to be a prophet, the first century would have been that time. Jesus was coming in after 400 years of silence. So John the Baptist was here before Jesus, and he had that feel of a prophet. He was calling out sin. He was different. He, he, had, the, he had just the, the, the mark and the feel of a prophet. And so it would have been a very big deal. People from Jerusalem came out to see and to hear and to ask questions. Now, they would have caused a stir. You, you would know this also. When I worked at Lifeway, for example, people from Nashville, they caused a stir because that was headquarters. So people from Nashville come, that causes a stir. Wherever you work, the people from whatever town has your headquarters, if they, if they show up at work, that matters. You know, I mean, that makes a big, big difference. You know, it, it, is, it is an authority. It is, it is some respect and some fear. It is all of that mingled together. And so as John is, is, is preaching and teaching and baptizing, and there was always a crowd there on the banks listening and, and people coming to be baptized, you can imagine those in the back would have begun to realize that those, those people are from Jerusalem. It would have been some Levites, it would have been some priests, um, and, and they, they would have came. And obviously people that, that have received that kind of respect and, and even that kind of fear, they're used to it, and so they walk that way. They, they, they walk with that authority. They walk with that expectation that, that you know, the little people are going to get out of their way. And so they walk forward, and I can imagine the crowd actually parting as they walk forward. And I can imagine, you know, people were probably listening to John and engaged with what he was saying, but then as they began to recognize that these people from Jerusalem were coming, probably everything kind of quieted down, and John was doing his thing because he didn't really care what they thought, but the rest of the people probably were settling down and and waiting to see this confrontation, to see what was going on. Now, it may be that the people that came from Jerusalem were going to verify John as a prophet, or they were going to verify him as a legitimate ministry, and then what these people had believed in and what these people had started to do was going to be validated for, for them. But it was, may also be that Jerusalem was going to frown on what he was doing, and then they needed to pr- maybe distance themselves from John. So their question is very abrupt. There's no small talk. There's no you know, compliment. Hey, you're doing a great job out here. We just have a couple of questions. We'd like. There's none of that. Who are you? That's how they start. So the Levites um, and the priests, they come um, and they ask the question in verse 19, who are you? Very abrupt, kind of rude if you, if you want to know the truth of the matter, just very straightforward. Um, they wanted to know who he was. Um, it, it's, it's interesting as, as we look at this that John had this opportunity at this moment, to probably say any number of things. And some of them would have even been true, but all of them would have been pointing to himself. That, that's, that's the thing, is if, if John had pointed to himself in any way, because the question was, who are you? So John could have said, I am virtually anything. And, and some things would have been true, some things would have been false, but it would have all been about himself. So what does John choose to say? So if you look at verse 20, it says, he confessed... And he did not deny, but confessed. Why does it say it like that? Well, because John was telling the truth. 
he wasn't avoiding anything, but he was also keeping it real, okay? So here's what he says, I am not the Christ. There was a, there was a hunger, there was a drive for people to find the Messiah. They desired to find him. Now, most people were looking for a political, military type Messiah that would cast off Roman rule. That's what they were looking for. They were, they were looking to be freed. They were looking to, to stop being you know, pushed down by the Romans. They, they wanted an independent Israel again. That's what they wanted. And so they were looking for that. And so most likely there were whispers of who John might be. Could he possibly be the Messiah? And so he addresses that first. I am not the Christ. Okay, so if he had said he was the Messiah, that could have gotten him in trouble or people could have believed it. Uh, either, either way, so if people believe it, he's in trouble with the Lord. If he gets him in trouble, he's in trouble with the Lord because he lied and he's also in trouble with people. But he could have made it sensational in some way. He could have done what, what Jesus, in, in that same situation, Jesus might have asked, well, well, who are you? Or who do you think I am? Jesus would have asked a different kind of question, but John was very straightforward. I'm not the Christ. He made it very plain and very simplistic. I am not the Christ. And again, important first step because he could have, he could have taken some glory for himself, but instead he deflected everything away from himself and, and toward the, the Lord, or at least away from himself at that point. And so they ask him, what then? Are you Elijah? So it was a, a thought it was an expectation among the Jews during this time that Elijah would return before, um, before the Messiah appeared. And, and if you want to know the, the truth, John probably could have said yes, and he would not have been theologically incorrect in that. But it still wasn't his point. Was he the prophet sent by God to prepare the way for the Messiah? Absolutely he was. So he probably could have said yes and not been totally incorrect. He probably could have at least somewhat agreed or said, well, you know, I'm not one to, to toot my own horn, but, you know, I'm out here, I'm doing the Lord's work. He didn't do any of that. He just simply said no. Now, this is interesting, the way that he responds. Um, he just answers no. You can do a word study on that. You, you can really dig into the original language about what he said, and what you're going to get is he said no. He, he just, he did not give in to the, the, even the temptation to have a conversation about that. I'm not any of those things. I'm not the Elijah that you're expecting. Uh, I'm not the Christ that you're expecting. And I'm certainly not the prophets like what you're expecting. That would have been a moment to actually take some kind of status. If he didn't want to claim to be the Messiah or even Elijah, it still would have been an opportunity to say, hey, you know, I'm not those guys, but I am sent from God. And you do need to listen to me. He could have had an opportunity there to maybe build himself a, a reputation, maybe change things. So in, in a way, maybe this is similar to when Jesus was being tempted by Satan. It, just an opportunity to take a different road, a different path, a different, a different um, ending to his life than, than what he would have uh, that was full of conflict and pain and ultimately even execution. So he flatly denies that he has any sort of connection, I guess, to the prophet Elijah or otherwise. 
Um, John's mission was not to bring attention to himself. And he makes that clear in this line of questioning. His mission is not to bring attention to himself, but rather to bring attention to Jesus. Uh, so he merely refers to himself as a voice. Look what they say in verse, in, in verse 22. They say to him, so who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? They weren't getting anywhere by asking their questions. They were asking very direct questions, and he was evading, and he was just, just kind of giving them the runaround, at least as far as they were concerned. They said, well, look, we were sent here to get some answers, and so let's just give you an open-ended question. Who do you say you are? Like, what, what do you say about yourself? You look in the mirror, what do you see? Who are you? John wouldn't even acknowledge that he was a man. He simply said, in verse 23, he says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now, that is a claim. That is, that, that is a claim, and it is 100% true, but it's still not pointing to him as anything special. Because he doesn't say, I'm a man that was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. I, I, I am not the prophet that was sent. He just says, I'm the voice. He doesn't even build himself up to being that man. So he makes that his point. At this point, we're told that these people are messengers from the Pharisees. Without getting into a whole long description about the two, there were two powerful parties within the Jews. There were other groups. Um, but, but I look at these a lot more like political parties than I do as religious affiliations because they function more like political parties. So the Sadducees um, were typically the more wealthy ruling group. They only believed in the first five books of the Bible. They were realists. They didn't believe in anything miraculous at all. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in resurrection from the dead. And, and, and they were the, the, the more powerful people. In fact, the high priest at that time was a Sadducee. Um, on the other side, you had the Pharisees. The Pharisees were fiercely nationalistic, whereas the Sadducees were benefiting from the Romans being in control. They were getting money. Um, the, the, the Pharisees were fiercely nationalistic. They wanted the Romans gone. They, were, they, were, they accepted the entire Old Testament. They were conservative theologically. Um, but although it sounds like, hey, these are, the, these are the good guys, when you listen to Jesus talk, he didn't have any, a lot of nice things to say to the Pharisees because ultimately they were, they were judgmental, they were hypocritical, uh, and, and they were not following after God. They were more stuck on the laws and the rules and the regulations that they had made up to kind of guide them through the Word of God. So when John quotes from Isaiah... Because they were from the Pharisees, they would have recognized that as Scripture, whereas if they'd have been from the Sadducees, they wouldn't have had any idea what he was even talking about, or at least would have rejected it um, as not being truly part of God's Word. So, um, the, they wanted to know, now, why is John baptizing? So, the Pharisees recognized the, the ritual. They recognized baptism. It wasn't extremely pre prevalent during this time, but what it was was a way to bring a proselyte. So, someone that was a Gentile and had decided to convert to Judaism, that was a way to bring a proselyte into Judaism was to baptize them. Um, th this would not make them Jews. There was a whole other thing that had to happen for that, but, but this would make them proselytes, followers of the Jewish way. We know about these people because... These are the kind of people that were some of the first converts to Christianity from, um, from following after. They were God-fearers is how they were referred in other places. Well, so why are you baptizing Jews? That was the ultimate question. So, so you're, not, you're not Elijah. You're not a prophet. You're not Christ. You're 
a voice, but why are you baptizing people? Help us understand that part of it. Why are you baptizing people? Um, and, and John would maybe answer that at some other time. And we know that John was baptizing people uh, for repentance of their sin. They would repent of their sins and he would baptize them with water. And he was pointing to the fact that one was coming that would baptize them of the Holy Spirit. But here John doesn't really give them the satisfaction of a straight answer again. Um, because when they ask this question, why, are, why do you baptize? He says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. So that's still not an answer. He doesn't actually say why. And so these guys still have to go back to Jerusalem with very little to explain, very little to, to define. But in that, in this moment, because the authorities are questioning him, he doesn't give them the satisfaction of an answer, not in the way that they wanted. Instead, everything that he does. So who are you? I'm not Jesus. Who are you? I'm not Elijah. Who are you? I'm not a prophet. Why do you baptize? I'm not worthy, but Jesus is. Everything about him is pointing to Jesus, and that is part of that example that we ourselves can follow. That is certainly something that we are able to do. Now, when he says, I'm not able to um, untie the sandals of Jesus' feet, the lowliest service that, that, that a servant could provide was taking off a person's shoes. Um, obviously first century dusty arid place sandals they, they hadn't figured out that you can wear socks and it'll be a little bit better so so they still had these dirty feet at the end of the day their feet were dirty so that was a lowly service and John saying I'm not worthy to take you know his sandals off of his dirty dusty feet I am not worthy even of that service so for for John this is a very humbling statement it's important that we recognize that that he had every opportunity to snatch glory for himself, but rather he points to Jesus and points to the superiority of Jesus in his own life. You know, as the church, we should never ever seek to promote ourselves, our leaders, or our programs. There is a phenomenon called celebrity pastors. And I know there's cases where a church gets big and the pastor's name is known. That's not the celebrity pastors. There's a phenomenon of, of, of guys and gals out there that, that have their name in lights, that, that, that have a following that people like and listen to and love and, 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 and put confidence in. That should never be the case. John would not have allowed that. People were listening to him, but he would not have allowed them to think something of him. He would not have allowed them to make him wealthy. He would not have allowed them to treat him differently than other people. He would not have allowed that. He made it about Jesus. And we should as well. We are the church of Jesus Christ. So our mission is to proclaim Jesus above everything else. There is no other thing worthy. If you know things about a church and they are not biblical things about that church... That could be a problem. If you know a church's motto or their, or their, 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 their minister, or their, but you don't know what they do for Jesus, that's a problem. And so we need to be proclaiming Jesus above everything else. So now let's look very specifically at the message. What does John actually have to say? 
So we know the story of the baptism of Jesus from other Gospels. And by the time John's being questioned by the Levites and people, he's already baptized Jesus. Now what we know from the other Gospels is that when Jesus was baptized, he went immediately to the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he was tempted by Satan. Um, so we, we know that, that when that happens, when Jesus is baptized, the, the Holy Spirit descends, and you have to know that that changed John's ministry. John went from one that was looking for the Lord to one that knew that the Lord was here. He went from an, an, an anticipation to a reality. For John, his ministry was coming to an end. He probably recognized that, but he knew that what his mission was had now been right up to the point of being completed. And that was a wonderful thing for him. So he recognized that sign, the Holy Spirit. He recognized that as an indication of Jesus the Messiah. So when he says, um, when he gives this testimony, um, he, he gives it, for example, um, he gives it in verse 32. And John bore witness, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. He says, I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John had been given a way to know and recognize Jesus as the Messiah, and, and that's when he knew so would he have known that Jesus was a righteous young man growing up? John and, and Jesus probably known, knew each other some. Now, they lived in different parts of Israel. Not that big, but when you're walking, it doesn't take much. And so they were, they were definitely aware of each other. But John says, I didn't know him. And, and obviously that word know has something to do with experience and, and, and with a depth of knowledge. So John says, I didn't really know him and, until this moment. Now, John recognized who Jesus was. Um, he recognized that, that Jesus had passed that test that God gave him. Uh, and so when he begins to see Jesus after this point, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He recognizes Jesus for who he is. Now, every biblically literate person at that time was looking for the Messiah to return. They were looking for something different, but everybody was looking. It seems that John didn't have the same view that everybody else did of the Messiah, which is good. That means that he was probably closer to right. Um, because when he says, behold, the Lamb of God, you know, it's not the lion of the tribe of Judah that he mentions at that time. He mentions the lamb. Lamb is a sacrifice. So John was probably looking at Jesus more as a sacrifice than anybody else would at that particular time. Um, once again, John makes it clear that, that he's not on the same level as Jesus because he, he re refers again to the fact that, that, that I am lower than him. Or, or he says, he, he comes after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. And even though that might sound paradoxical, he comes after me, but he was before me, we understand that he means that Jesus is eternal. John's entire life had been dedicated to bearing witness about the Messiah, and now he stands before him. And so we have these two examples. Jesus comes up one day, and John points him out. Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. And then it says the next day, He's standing with his two disciples, or two of his disciples, and John walks by and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. He knows Jesus and he continues to proclaim him. He can't stop talking about him. When Jesus walks by, that's now the conversation. Every time he can, Jesus is the conversation. This is an example for us. As Christians, we must reach a point where we cannot stop proclaiming Jesus as the Savior that this world needs. That's where John was. 
once he recognized Jesus, once he knew he said, I didn't know him, but now I do, and I'm going to talk about him. Is that not Christian evangelism? Is that not what God sent us to do in the church? And so is John an example we can follow? Maybe not dietary or fashion, but absolutely in his practice, we can follow after John. We can do what he did because once we know Jesus, it does change everything. So to wrap this up, like John, we were sent to this earth with a mission to bear witness about Jesus. I believe that Christians are on this earth, that, 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 that we, when we are saved, we are given this mission to proclaim Jesus, to bear witness. We are, we are given that. So it's not a matter of, well, I'm not really called to witness. I'm not really called to tell people about Jesus. My, my calling lies in the background. <laughs> no, you may have a background job, but you're, you're still called to tell people about Jesus. We are all called to tell people about Jesus. That is our responsibility. That is our role. Also, like John, we cannot take fame or glory for ourselves because it all belongs to Jesus. We can't point to ourselves. We can't say, well, you know, I have won these souls or I have proclaimed this here and proclaimed this there and I've done this and I've done that. When you hear that kind of stuff, just be on your guard. Be on your guard. You know, I used to go to Christian conferences a little bit more, but, well, obviously they're not doing as many with COVID, but, but there would be a speaker that would get up and somebody would tell all kinds of things they had done. They got more degrees than a thermometer. They spoke to thousands and thousands of people and they wrote all these books and all these accolades and then they get up and, and they preach. Well, it's not about them. And, and they weren't the ones saying some of that. And some, some, you know, you can see some people that are kind of arrogant, but it's not about that. It's not about what we have accomplished or what we have done. It is about Jesus Christ. And when the, the subject gets off of Jesus, we're wrong. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. When the subject gets off of him, as a church, we are wrong. Like John, we can never stop proclaiming the saving power of Jesus to the lost of this world. It has to be something that we, we can't even control it. We're talking about him all the time. Just like John, every time, oh, there's Jesus. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And, and we, need to, we need to be that way. It needs to be so automatic for us. You know, it needs to be so automatic for us. There, there's been things, trends, things that, 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 have, that have went around. You know, God is good all the time. God is good. We, we've seen things like that where somebody says it and you automatically say it back, the best football team in Alabama. We, we, we always get these sort of things, right, just kind of stuck with us that, that, that we say, well, the reality is we need to be about Jesus that way. We need to be about Jesus that way, that behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. We've got to, be, we've, we've got to make sure that that is the heartbeat of our lives. John had nothing else to do but proclaim Jesus. Now, we don't live out in the wilderness and eat bugs or flowers, wear animal skins. We, we do have a, 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 a life on this earth. We are grounded. And, 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 and please don't, I'm not condemning that. God put us where he put us and he planted us in certain places for certain ministries. But every bit of that is for the purpose of Christ. And so we have to make sure that we live a life where it might even be said. Somebody else might watch us and say, well, they, they really can't help but talk about Jesus. They really can't help but make that connection somehow or another. They can't help but make that connection. And, and, and that needs to be our reputation because it's not about us. And if we make it about us, well, nobody really likes hearing about us. They don't. If, if you talk to somebody and every time you talk to them, they're talking about themselves, you'll get tired of that quick. But when, when John talked about Jesus, that was his ministry. And that's our ministry as well. Let's have a word of prayer.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to gather together for a few minutes. I thank you for the example that John left. And we are, we are grateful to see a man that didn't want any glory, didn't want any fame. He just wanted to talk about Jesus. But Lord, we are so much more grateful for Jesus, who is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, that has taken away our sins and has brought us into a right relationship with you. And Father, that, that, is, that is something that, that as much as we love that truth, as much as we sing about that truth, we'll never totally understand why you chose to save us. But what we do know is that you will save whosoever. And I pray that, that our lives could be characterized by proclaiming Jesus, telling others about Him. The power that was there in the days of John and in the days of Jesus is, is alive and present in us as well. And I pray that we can proclaim that with every breath that we have, with every day that you give us. It is a day that we can live and a day that we can tell people about Jesus. It is in his name we pray. Amen.